Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the longest running Bigfoot podcast on Blog Talk Radio. The original Squatch Detective Radio featuring your host, Steve Coles and Chris Bennett. Three decades of Bigfoot research, two decades of Bigfoot radio. Here we go. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And the whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. There are thousands of perfect people whose word would be good on any other subject who describe getting a good look at an enormous hair-covered upright animal, and that is a fact. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch Ticket Radio for today's date, February 17th, 2019. I am your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective Steve Coles, along with my co-host, the man who's not getting six inches of snow tonight, Mr. Chris Bennett. How are you? Hi, Steve. I'm doing good, man. I hope everything's going good for you in New York. We did get some snow, man. We got some Friday night, and uh, it, it warmed up until, I think it was the high 30s or low 40s on Saturday. And so it pretty much all went away, you know, within a matter of hours. But uh, I'll bet we got about an inch of snow, you know, probably nothing like you guys got. <laughs> no, I think I got like uh, 12 inches maybe a few days ago. Oh. I mean, some of oh. it's melted off already. I mean, we, we got a little bit of a heat snap and things were melting for a couple of days. And now yeah. we're getting another three to six. <sighs> yeah. Wow. And they're saying that's, <laughs> that's going to start just about now until tomorrow. Well, well, the school kids are glad to hear that. I mean, do, do they let school out for uh, snowy roads and stuff in New York? Well, they do, but tomorrow is President's Day, so they're off anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, mine's got to go. I mean, they missed some because of some <laughs> snow on the ground, uh, and uh, they're having that for a makeup day, so where's uh, the heart? Well, yeah. But, uh, you know, there are, some places, there are some places they get a flurry, they close the school. Up here, we're used to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess so. That ain't snow. I mean, even even the last snowstorm was like, eh, this is nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I got up by noontime, the plow had came and took care of my driveway. I'm like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> so, <laughs> not a big deal. Not yeah, big I, was, deal. Uh, I, stayed in, I stayed in anyway. I mean, when it's cold weather, I, I pretty much hang by the computer and don't do much anyway. But uh, they, uh, they, they've got a new I, movie out now. It's, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Sam Elliott. And it's called uh, the man who killed Bigfoot, and then the big uh, wait a minute, the man who killed Hitler, killed and Hitler. then the Bigfoot. <laughs> very, very interesting. He killed. Yeah, he killed Hitler, and then the Bigfoot. 
and uh, I re- I got to watch that online, and it was okay. And uh, it, it's definitely if you want to, you know, go to a, a matinee showing at the theater, which it started it's the theaters. I think uh, uh, not last Friday, but the Friday before last. And uh, so you know, that's probably worth a ticket if you want to go to the yep. theater and see it. But, I, uh, I I not I, one of the. I, I t- yeah, I take it it won't be at the Oscars next year. Uh, I wouldn't think so. No, no. And Sam Elliott, you know, he's uh, he's got a name for doing you know pretty quality stuff, and uh, you know his parts of it. You know, I, I really can't complain. It was he was really really good, but it, to me it just felt like they kind of uh, they lowered their special effects budget for the creature, you know. But oh, uh, uh, you know, all in all, though, it was worth watching. They probably lowered the special effects budget for Hitler, too. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. <laughs> we we um, we can't afford the phony mustache. We'll just paint it on. Um, yeah, well, yeah, the guy that they got for Hitler was was okay, you know, but, you know, his, his part didn't last very long. No spoilers, but, uh, you know, he was okay. Well, but, uh, you know, I, you remember, know I, I really can't I, complain. I remember going to the, Titan- the the movie Titanic in the theaters, and I yeah. remember the theater got dark, and I, being the ass bag I can be at times, yell out, "Don't mean to spoil it for anybody, but the ship sinks!" <laughs> 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 and the whole theater lit up laughing. Uh, uh, oh yeah, no, nobody see, saw that I, coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, they didn't. I mean, just a, no, they didn't expect that comment, but. Um, but, you know, I have a habit sometime of saying something very loudly in the theater that gets the crowd laughing. There was this movie, yeah. um, Seven Years in Tibet. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, I remember them advertising. I'm sitting in the movies, and, and here comes the previews, and the, the announcer gets on, and Seven Years in, Ty- in Tibet. And, and, all, yeah. and it gets quiet, and all of a sudden, I do in my best announcer voice, Followed by the exciting sequel, Six Days in the Hood. And everybody just bust out <laughs> laughing. Oh, no. Uh, don't, don't be that guy, Steve, in the theater. <laughs> I, I, I am that guy. I am that, that guy. guy. I know okay. that because I remember at my son, my, one of my son's birthday, it may have even been his 21st birthday, some, one of his friends was yelling at him, why are you so obnoxious? And all of a sudden I hear this voice go, I can give all that credit to that guy sitting down there on the end. And he was pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, but anyway. I just wanted to say, Steve, as far as Bigfoot movies go, it was okay. You know, it's nice to see right. something new come out. And it's a, a welcome relief from watching the uh, the old uh, Bigfoot documentaries and stuff and movies of the 70s. You know, I'll, I'll give it that. So it's, it's worth a see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since we've been back, we have decided to go to the mailbag this week. <laughs> so right. we're, we're, going, we're going to the mailbag today because uh, – I got it. I got an email, and uh, I, I even said, I replied back to him that we would be we would be uh, replying to this on the air tonight at nine o'clock. I gave him the URL, so hopefully uh, Marcus is listening tonight. But uh, this is the very interesting uh, email I got, and the email came from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which uh, we all know is the home oh. of Todd Standing. Hey, yeah, I know somebody lives up there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So here, here's the comment. It says, hello from Canada. And again, I don't know if this is tongue-in-cheek or a snarky uh, shot at me, but we're going to find out. Hello from Canada. Just wondering if you're going to do some more detective work on Todd Standing. The more I read about him and his research, the more I feel the shade thrown on him is due to jealousy of his success and the fact he is Canadian. Anyways, just wondering what you all think nowadays. Thanks. So that is the wonderful email, and uh, we, well, will leave the, we will leave the name off of that. But, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm going to give my response to that uh, on the air. And first, I, I want to address the fact that people throwing shade on him because he's a Canadian, even though there was an LOL in that, uh, let, me, let me make it very clear. There is a lot of great Canadians, uh, pre- past, present, and probably future, in fact, we've even had a Canadian here on the radio show, Justin Cherpensky, uh, who does, uh, remember, the Mountain Beast Mysteries. We've had him on. He's a pretty level-headed guy, um, like his work. Um, one of my, let me just go through a couple of my idols, uh, John Green. Uh, John yeah. Green, his stoicism and his common sense, another Canadian. Um, yeah. Tom Steenberg, another Canadian from British Columbia. Really knows how to yeah. dig and get that investigative stuff going on. Did stuff on Jacko and a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Really great work. Good guy. Um, right. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk next to this guy because he actually immigrated to Canada. But how about Rennie DeHinden? And, yeah, that's uh, what I was fixing to say. I didn't know if he was born there or, or went later. Now he... I believe he came from he came from a Scandinavian com- uh, country. I believe it was Norway, but uh-huh. um, I, well, I, I couldn't even remember. He could be Swiss too, I, I, but I'm pretty sure, which is not no region, but I'm pretty sure he was in. He came or um, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he <laughs> came from, from that particular Norway, Finland, somewhere around there. Um, mm-hmm. So a great researcher. I like his. I love his bravado and being able to tell it like it is. Something I I also, uh, uh, it, it, and, and bow and uh, yeah. I'm having a hard time tonight. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, me too, Steve. Uh, I got too many cobwebs in my memory. <laughs> um, and Dr. John Bindernagel. There's another right. great Canadian. Yeah. You know, uh, and I love his, you know, the thoughts and his thought processes. So, no, it has nothing to do with the fact that Todd Standing is a Canadian whatsoever. Uh, To me, we're all North American Sasquatch researchers, and we're all in the same boat. Um, Right. However, uh, jealousy of his success. I don't know. I'm not jealous of being pointed the finger at and called the hoaxer. Uh, I am definitely not jealous of uh, all the shady stuff that he's done in the past, all the crazy stories. Like, And the latest crazy story I heard was, and I actually saw the post, you know, when he shot Blinky. You know, remember Blinky, the one I tore down, that picture I tore down? He right. made a Facebook post that says, well, something grabbed me by the back of my ankles and dragged The Sasquatch grabbed me by the back of the ankles and dragged me away. And that's what he put on this Facebook post or something very similar to that. And it's like, well, aren't you going to end the story? You know, people forget how his beginning started with this Blair Witch type of crap. 
on sylvanic.com with the three or four missing hikers. And he had these like sixth grader sketches of them on the things. And that Sylvanic, where the Sasquatch was, you can only get through a little pass in the woods and you got to crawl through this hole and it leads into this. Yeah. And Sylvanic is a Native American word, although Sylvanic, Sylvanic is not a Native American based word, it's a Latin based word. Um, yeah. And that none of the, the Aboriginal natives knew anything of a place called Sylvanic. And maybe the coincidence that his mother's name is Sylvia. Sylvia uh, I, I don't right. know. Yeah. But jealous? Well, all right. He's been on TV. You know, what was he on? Four or five episodes of Survivor Man? And that Survivor Man was on what channel? I forget. Was it the Outdoor Life channel or maybe any? I don't know. I, I can't remember either, Steve. You know, and if the jealousy is directed towards me, I don't know. I'm actually tomorrow, I'm filming my 10th special for the Travel Channel. And this will be my first time on the Travel Channel which I'm really stoked. I mean, first new episode I'm going to travel on. Some of my yeah. Destination America stuff has transferred over to the Travel Channel. But I don't know. Yeah. He's been on four or five episodes with Survivor Man. I don't know. I've been, I'm doing my 10th documentary uh, piece tomorrow for a television show, and I've been on History, Nat Geo, Travel, Destination America, Fox and Friends. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't think I'm too jealous because nobody well, points no. the finger at me and says, I put out bullshit work. Pardon my French. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Steve, I can't remember uh, if we discussed it on air or not last week, but, you know, me and you were talking off air. And I think I mentioned, I don't know if we, we would talk about this on air or not, but I mentioned seeing a new uh, video with Todd Standing on YouTube. And it was roughly, it was some kind of, uh, supposed to be some kind of sighting uh, film. Uh, he was going to discuss, and for the first, it was about a 20-minute video, and for about the first 18 minutes or so, Todd Standing discussed himself and promoted himself, which, you know, a little self-promotion, I guess, is okay, but uh, the last two minutes, he actually talked about the video that was in the title of the, (laughs) you know, the the Bigfoot video we were going to watch. We had to wait 18 minutes of self-promotion to see the last two minutes of video. I don't me, remember. Yeah. yeah. To me, that's not a man with an ego. To to me, that's a man with a small penis trying to make everybody think he's got a large one. That's what it appears to me. And uh, I'm sorry for that, but I'm shooting from the hip tonight, and a lot of people know why. <laughs> because well. right now, because <laughs> right now I, I'm just – I, I'm on fire tonight, and I'm I'm primed, and I'm good, and I'm happy, and yeah. it is what it is. So anyway, folks, I I, 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 I know have... both uh, we both you and I both Steve, we, we don't have any problem with Canadians. I mean, there's nobody that can tell Heck me we no. do. But what what we Heck have no. a problem with is hoaxers. <laughs> it, doesn't, exactly. it doesn't matter whether it, if it's a hoaxer from the, the good old U.S. of A. or or, or from somewhere in Canada, it, it doesn't matter. That's what we have the problem with, hoaxers. So, well, I, don't, uh, you know. well I, I, have a, I have another problem with Canadians, and that's them mm. sending their damn Arctic air down right on top of me in here <laughs> in New York. <laughs> well, yes, the storm, not their storm breeze from Canada will be blowing in today, damn Canadians. No, nah, I'm just kidding, my <laughs> friends in Canada. 
It's only it's it's only in jest. But well, that was the thing. You know, know I remember years years ago back in meteorology, uh, we were talking about these uh, cold fronts blowing in, and these these this, they always wanted to try to get us away from saying the cold Canadian air coming down from the north because it didn't belong to Canada. You know, it wasn't their air causing their problems. But uh, yeah, that, that that you do hear that on weather forecasts uh, from time to time. But they talk about but this you know cold, what? cold Canadian air coming down. But you know mm. what? I I love Why Canada that? because if it wasn't for Canada, we wouldn't have cold Canadian beer. <laughs> <laughs> or good no, anyway. Uh, or good hockey. Okay, so uh, we we got a couple of great guests on. But before, before we go to our guests, I'm, I'm going to give everybody a link in the chat room. And uh, the, uh, the meme of the day, you can tell when I'm in a, in a fairly good mood and a fairly cantankerous mood. But I'm going to put a link in the, uh, the chat room. And for those that are listening live that are not in chat, it's squashdetective.weebly.com forward slash meme, M-E-M-E, all lowercase. There it is. Have fun with it, folks. And I'm sure somebody's going to copy that and put it on Facebook. But uh, it will be coming <laughs> down tonight after the show, so this is only for our live listeners. A little, there's our, our meme of the day. <laughs> so, I don't know, Chris, have you seen it? Just opened it up, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so anyway, let's, and hopefully, so you know, I know our our guests are not on, but if they're in front of a computer, a computer, not a commuter, a computer, it's squatchdetective.weebly.com forward slash meme m e m e, and uh, we're gonna get our guest on. We want to welcome to the show tonight our our good friends. Mr. Eric Altman and Dave Dragerson. Hello, fellas. Hello there. Hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, there. Greetings and salutations. No, it's always <laughs> greetings and solicitations. Okay. <laughs> so how are you guys doing tonight? Just fine. If, we're, if I were any better, I'd hate myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, you I know, felt better and, than you I, know. I felt better than I got over it, Steve. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> Me, I, I don't know. I, I can't even catch a cold lately. I just. Uh, but anyway, so I understand. Uh, unlike me lying to everybody today, accidentally uh, saying that there was a flap in Fayette County, there's actually been a flap of Sasquatch sightings in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania. So I'll let you guys kind of hash it out and let us know what's been going on. We'll give you the dais. Well, um, Dave, if you don't mind me starting real quick, um, we don't get flaps of sightings in Pennsylvania, and Dave, David can attest to this. We, we get them every few years. The most recent flap of sightings we had took place in 2009 through probably about 2011 in Fayette County. So you weren't wrong about a flap of sightings in, in Pennsylvania, in Fayette County. It was just 10 years later here in Westmoreland County. Um, before we get to talking about the flap of sightings in um, Westmoreland County and around the southwestern Pennsylvania area, um, David, believe it or not, um, and I'm actually kind of envious, 
David had a sighting of his own in the fall of 2017. And David, would you be so kind as to recount your sighting for us? I was uh, with Cindy, my wife, and we had just uh, got word that my grandson was done with his under education safety course in Masontown, Pennsylvania, calling us at our friends Frank and uh, Kay Karnowitz's farm in Smithfield. And we decided to pack up, say goodbye, and head over to Masontown. And on the way over, uh, we took a shortcut to Masontown on a road called Tomcat Hollow. And um, as we were, as Cindy was driving, I was in the passenger seat. And uh, I happened to glance over to an area that previously in the day, Frank and Kay had taken us on a, a ride and uh, showed us a couple of areas that were of interest um, in that particular location of Fayette County near near the Monongahela River. And uh, as we were going by, I happened to glance over and a fleeting glance of a creature standing in a horse meadow. And uh, later on, when we went back to check it out on private property, he was holding onto a branch about 13 feet off the ground with his left arm, and his right arm was kind of like uh, midway up his right thigh. And uh, that's my first sighting, and it was, it was a fleeting glimpse. And unfortunately, we couldn't investigate immediately because Ashton was alone in Masontown. We had to pick him up. But we did return and had a small crew to investigate. Then we found out it was private property. So this was at about 2.15 uh, on a November Sunday afternoon. And uh, that's the only uh, claim to fame that I have. I wish I could. I wish I could have one, Dave. <laughs> I haven't seen one since 2010, man. I, I have a. I made a digital drawing of it along with uh, another drawing that had come up. A digital drawing. Uh, lately, I've been doing digital drawings as opposed to pen and and charcoal as far as first person yeah. uh, forensic witness sketches. But uh, I'll turn it back over to uh, Eric and, and you, Steve and Chris. Wow. I mean, for for those who don't know Dave, Dave is a phenomenal artist, a sketch artist, and he does a lot of these recreations with witnesses, and his work is unbelievable. I mean, it's just Thank awesome. You. And 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 the, before we get on to the other stuff, I just want to say one of the most incredible things I, I've ever seen was the two sketches of the, the same creature seen by two different people at two different times. And it, it had that lip, remember? And that that was amazing. It had this. Uh, I mean, can you describe it a little bit, Dave, about that lip thing and the whole? Well, what happened was uh, Nikki Goodson, one of our witnesses in the past, had seen a creature whom she thought was sneering at her down through the window of her little um, uh, sports car that she was traveling in near Jumonville uh, in front of her Breezy's restaurant. And when I drew a picture of what she saw, um, which uh, it was kind of like him snarling with his lip turned up. Well, a couple of years later, I bumped into my friend Rob Gratson, who was an outdoorsman, and uh, he said to me as he looked at that sketch, he said, that's the old man in the swamp. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, that's the guy that I've seen, and when he saw him, he not only had a torn left lip but also a torn left eye and also a missing tip of his right pinky finger as though it had been in a fight. So we have a correlation there between two people in approximately the same area. 
And then we've got the, uh, the Dennis family over in um, the Elliottsville area who identified my sketches as the, uh, the same sketch that the, uh, Rob and Nikki had seen as the creature that they had seen near their family pond. So you've got a correlation of anecdotes here that seem to fit in very well. And, it, you know, you're talking probably four or five-mile migration pattern uh, as far as this particular one creature is traveling. That would be along Chestnut Ridge in Fayette County. Boy, what a surprise there. <laughs> Back to and you, Incidentally, Eric. that all came from the uh, flap that took place in Fayette County in 2009 through 2011. Wow. See, I didn't lie. We were going to be talking about that. <laughs> um, so, uh Eric, do you want to continue on where, where uh, Dave left off? Because Dave switched, sent it over to you. Yeah, things started in um, probably February. Now, keep in mind, I did not talk to the witness. Um, my Facebook page started getting flooded with people forwarding me a post that a young girl had made on a, a Facebook group called About Westmoreland. And it's, it's people that post about Westmoreland County. And she had inquired if anyone else in the Delmont area of Westmoreland County, which is near the northern part of the county, had seen a white creature around Route 66 and 366. Apparently, she and some friends had seen this thing walking in a field, and she was asking others if they had seen it. And I, when I got the post, I quickly joined the group and started asking questions, as did some other people, but there were a lot of people that were making fun of her, ridiculing her, and she simply just stopped posting about it. She stopped talking about it, and there was nothing further from her in regards to her sighting. And that was in February um, of, of 2018. So I really can't confirm uh, whether that was a legitimate sighting, but it was somebody inquiring if they had seen a white creature in that area. Well, um, being that um, I'm once again, a member of the BFRO, um, I was contacted by their website curator to follow up on a sighting um, outside of New Kensington in Westmoreland County. It's kind of Allegheny County, Westmoreland County border, where the guy had seen or was reporting finding all kinds of stick structures, uh, tree breaks, and hearing some howling and, and um, cries coming from um, an area above his his property, and he lives um, just outside of the town of New Ken, uh, between New Ken and Arnold, PA. And he was claiming that he was going up into this, um, it used to be an old garbage dump, but the, the county came in and um, took it over and kind of turned it into like a wildlife area, although it's not recognized as a wildlife area. They just, they, they covered all the dump with, um, they seeded, grassed it, and, uh, you know, letting nature take back over this area. And he called myself, Tom Ference, and Tom Long up to the area. We went up and investigated. And although we didn't um, find anything in that particular area, we, we did talk to him, and he showed us what he thought was Bigfoot evidence, which we couldn't say it was or wasn't. But it was still interesting to get out and find out that, um, you know, of course, this area of New Ken is not far as a crow flies from where the supposed white creature was seen um, earlier in February. And and the investigation we did in the New Kensington area was in early March, mid-March of, of 2018. Um, 
from that point, things kind of slowed down a little bit. It was quiet for a couple of months. But I started getting emails from folks around the area. Uh, a good friend, Dwayne Pintoff, um, emailed me and let me know that um, a friend of his and his girlfriend had seen a creature standing in a ravine just off of Route 30 in Hemphill Township, probably between Jeanette, Pennsylvania, and Greensburg. And uh, she, they were driving down this very busy highway. It's a four-lane highway. They came to an intersection where there's a traffic light, and they came to a stop, and she glanced down in the ravine, and she just blurted out, oh, my God, there's a Yeti. And her boyfriend went to look, and, of course, he couldn't see it, being that he was driving the car, but that's what she wow. claimed. So now we have three possible sightings in the Westmoreland County area, which is intriguing to me, but nothing that I could go and verify. Well, as things continued to progress, I was getting more and more reports from our good friend Stan Gordon that he was getting um, reports of activity around the, the Hemphill Township, uh, Delmont area of sightings, you know, people finding tracks, um, hearing strange sounds and cries. And I had gotten some from the BFRO where people were, were reporting hearing howls and screams coming, especially from areas where they're doing fracking. Um, it seemed very late at night they would hear howls and screams coming from that, that general area. So it was exciting to hear that things were starting to pick up, but I wouldn't have called it a flap at that point. I was just kind of, you know, okay, great. Because as Dave can attest, uh, we always get reports in Pennsylvania. It's it's never really slow um, per se, but you know some years we get a few reports and others we get quite a bit. But we were seeing some reports in, in northern Westmoreland County. Um, of course, we always get the occasional reports from Fayette, but uh, I wouldn't wouldn't have called it a flap. Um, at least not until probably July, and then things really took off. Um, we got a report from a gentleman um, who lives in Armstrong County, which is right across the, the county line from Westmoreland and the northern part of Westmoreland County again. And he contacted us, and he contacted me, actually, and sent me an email with a variety of photos that his game camera had taken. And they were just odd animal pictures, um, deer mainly, um, possible couple of raccoons and, and porcupines, stuff like that. But there were a couple in there that were kind of blurry that he thought might have been a Sasquatch, but I let him know that I couldn't really tell from the pictures. But he invited Stan and I to come up to his property, which we did. And uh, we sat down on the front porch with his wife and, and, and the gentleman, and he began to recount his years of activity going on on his property. And his first sighting was rather intriguing to me, um, and he had his first sighting during hunting season uh, late November of 2016. And I'll share that with you real quick because I, I find it very intriguing. Um, he, he told us that he had been he owns property about 88 acres of uh, forest forested land behind his home, and he likes to deer hunt. So he was in a, a deer stand, and. After a while, he wasn't seeing anything, so he figured he'd head in the house, and he knew the deer ticks were pretty bad that year, so he'd go in and, and, and change his clothes and check himself out to make sure he didn't have any deer ticks on him. And he was sitting on the edge of his bed and looking out his bedroom window, which overlooks their front yard. It overlooks the country road that he lives on, and it overlooks the property across the street, which is abandoned. Um, the people that had lived there obviously had, had some sewage issues and runoff issues, so they, they abandoned the house, and it, it sat vacant for a couple of years. 
And as he's looking out the window, taking his socks off, he sees this figure standing um, almost to the back of the house, between the back of the house and the wood line. And he had to do a double take because this figure didn't look like a person to him. He said it, it was enormous, um, very broad-shouldered, uh, just very wide in size. It was a dark-colored creature that he was looking at, and he, he just could not believe what he saw. Now, the intriguing thing about it was he said it appeared not to have a head. He, he could just hmm. see very muscular bowling ball or watermelon-shaped uh, size muscles on his shoulders that he was looking at. And he was hmm. just stunned. And he was watching this thing, and he said it stepped right up to the tree line, and it completely vanished from sight. And he thought, oh, my gosh, what, what did I just see? I've got to get a better look at this. So he began to move around yeah. the second floor of his home, window to window, looking for this thing. And he, he could not see it. He just said it, it vanished. So he went back to his bedroom and sat back down on the bed, looked out the window, and it was actually, it didn't vanish. It was standing inside the tree line, but it was standing in a way where it looked like a tree. It didn't look like um, a creature. It blended in with the trees. And the creature turned kind of sideways, almost uh, like it turned towards its right, and it was facing at maybe a 45-degree angle. And he said he still could not see a head on it. It was just so massive of shoulders. He watched it for a few seconds, and it just walked off. And that was his first initial sighting in 2016. And he went on to recount all the activity they had on their property, from his wife hearing monkey chatter to the abandoned house across the street, something trying to break in the house on several occasions where the police actually had Ah. to be called to the house. Um, Ah. he, He talked about hearing deer bleats and deer being killed in the forest surrounding his home. He talked about hearing wood knocking, um, howls and screams during the day and at night. And and Stan and I were fascinated by his recounting of the the activity, but I was blown away when he took us on a tour of his property behind the house. Um, He said, we were sitting on the porch one day, and it was very calm, no wind, no storm, nothing. And all of a sudden we heard this huge crack and he thought it for, for certain a tree had fallen over, and he knew about you know, with all the activity, he was kind of afraid to go back in the woods and investigate, but he had heard it. And wow. after that point, of, for a, almost a week or two, he had heard several other large cracks. And finally he got up enough courage to go back into the forest to look, and he had found not broken branches but broken trees that were literally eight to nine feet off the ground, split in half, and twisted. And when he took Stan and I back there, I looked at these trees, and my first reaction was, holy crap. Um, yeah. These these weren't like a microburst would do to a tree or several trees. These were single yep. trees within a 25 or 30-yard radius. We'd find another tree. And about nine feet up, it was like something grabbed the hole of the tree and split the tree in half and just pulled half of the tree down and twisted it. And I just stood there in in just amazement looking at these trees that were damaged. And I'm like, I'm not believing what I'm seeing here, and Stan's having the same reaction. But as we walked around the property, he he began to point out, he'd say, okay, look at that tree there. That looks like it was purposefully pulled down and laid across the game trail so you can't go back further into the woods. And he was right. It looked like something pulled a tree, broke a tree in half, and pulled that branch 
purposefully down over the trail. And mm. we walked around and looked around on this property some more, and uh, I did a couple knocks on a tree just to see if I would get a response. And it's funny, I'm funny mentioning the knocks. He was very reluctant to even let me try tree knocks because he said, I don't want any repercussions. I don't want this thing coming back around when you guys aren't here. I've got to live here. You don't. And, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I understand. Not a problem. Yeah. And he finally gave yeah. in and l- let me do a couple of tree knocks. And when I did, as we were walking around the property, sure as hell, we started getting responses from the wooded hillside across the street um, from where the abandoned property was. And well, Eric, Dan heard Eric, it, I heard it, he heard it, and he said, see what you did? You made him mad. <laughs> <laughs> was, so, that, was that the area where they were doing the, the fracking you had mentioned a few minutes earlier? Or was that no, a that, that's a different area. That's in southern Westmoreland County. Okay. Well, before but, it gets away from me in the, in the chat room here, a, a kite had a, a kite squatch had a, had a good question. He, he was wondering just uh, about the fracking going on, and uh, he said he said I realize there may be no way of knowing, but do you think uh, the fracking is causing something, or just the human presence of the people there doing the fracking, maybe drawn drawn in the creatures? What what do you think? Well, it's interesting that he asks that because where the fracking mm-hmm. is taking place and where the calls were coming from is, is literally right. like a mile and a half from where I used to live. Um, and right. I lived there for almost 20 years and never heard anything when I lived there. And my, my home was surrounded by forested area, so I mm-hmm. never heard anything. And they just started fracking within the last year or two. So if there was something in the area, it's, it's very possible but I did get an email from a woman who lived in the same plan that I did who told me that she yeah. had a sighting in that plan about a year prior to me moving in. So there was activity reported um, in that plan where I used to live. Just It never happened right. when I was there. So I don't know, honestly, if yeah. what happened you know, with the fracking caused something to stir up or it, it was mm-hmm. human encroachment. I, I really don't know. But it's not the first time I've heard of um, – and Dave, you can you can add, jump in here and, and chime in if you want. But I've never I, I, this is the first not the first time I've heard um, stories or encounters people having around fracking sites. Right. The um, the only ones that I'm aware of now are over in the Greene County area uh, that we went to investigate um, with the uh, one photo. It looked like a female carrying a small um, creature in her arms. And um, when I went back to the game lands over there, because I had hunted there years ago, I was shocked to see that they had deforested the area and they were fracking along the uh, borders of the game lands in that particular area of Greene County. That would be along what they call Warrior Trail. Um, I I can't attest to, you know, this happening or, or not happening because of fracking. I'm, I'm, I just don't have any validation and uh, any witnesses that would, go, you know, go along with uh, any any attestment to that. You know, I'm having a real funny thought about this. You know, if we were having this conversation 10 years ago before we even knew what fracking was, this would have been an X-rated show. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> they were fracking. Excuse me? <laughs> Fracking in the woods. Yep. No, no shame. But but I, I just wanted to drop in real quick and uh, 
our 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 gentleman from Canada who uh, gave us that email today actually was listening in. Wanted to shoot right. uh, shoot me shot me out a message that that was totally awesome. Thank you. And he goes, uh, thank you for mentioning those researchers as well. And uh, so we want to thank you for the great email and having giving us something to have a little fun with this week. So we appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Keep them coming, folks. <clears throat> I didn't um, mean to derail anybody. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's okay. Um, getting back to the sightings um, in, in Westmoreland County, after we investigated the sighting in Armstrong County, um, Stan and I were driving home, and we were discussing um, he had just received a phone call from another witness who was willing to meet with Stan and I um, to discuss some strange sounds that he was hearing on his property, around his property, and the neighbors in, around his property were hearing things as well and reporting them to him. And uh, they they contacted um, Stan, of course, and Stan made arrangements to for Stan and I to go out, which we did. And this gentleman, incidentally, lived very close to the Route 66, 366 area where the young girl asked, inquired about the white creature that people were seeing. So we uh, we went out and we met with him, and he shared his story. Um, and this happened in August. Um, I'm sorry, this happened in late, in September, actually. Um, he was hearing, early September, he was hearing strange sounds coming out of the forest through the valley that were waking him up at night, like 3 o'clock in the morning. And these were very high-pitched, shrill screams. And the only thing he could compare it to was a fisher. However, he said he was very familiar with fisher cats. He went online and researched as much as he could find on fisher cats, and nothing sounded close to that sound but that's the only thing he could remotely compare the noise to. And he went on to tell us that multiple neighbors in the valley he lived in were hearing the same thing. And uh, he owns an alpaca farm. Uh, he has several alpacas on the farm. And uh, he said when he heard the screams that night, he went outside with a flashlight to look. All the alpaca had huddled together um, in their corral, and their ears were up and, and attentive, and they were all looking in the direction the screaming was coming from. And it kind of unnerved him because he's a very, um, very experienced outdoorsman, a hunter. He's hunted in Alaska and, and Colorado and multiple states out west. And he's familiar with a lot of big game and the sounds they make. And this is something he'd never heard before. And then he said he wanted to show something to Stan and I. And he took us to the backside of his property. And there um, on the backside of his property right at the tree line was this huge, probably eight-foot long by eight foot wide bedding area where something had laid down in the very high grass. And, and I've seen deer beds. Um, I know they can lay down together in a group and make a, a very large deer bed. This was just one massive area that had been pressed down. And if you lay down in the, the grassy area, you had a perfect view of the guy's house. You could lay there and watch the house without being detected or seen. So we thought that was yeah. intriguing and interesting, but, without seeing a creature or having, you know, some other tangible evidence to go with his, his audio report, we left it that as inconclusive. And uh, we asked him to keep in touch, which he did. And uh, a couple months later, he got back to us that um, something had returned to his property, was screaming, and actually had broken and pulled down a couple of trees uh, in the wooded hillside uh, behind his home. 
and he took pictures and shared them with us. So we had another sighting reported to us, um, and it we moved into um, October, um, and Dave can join in on this because he actually was at the location and looked around. Um, Stan, and you'll hear Stan's name quite a lot because Stan was really relating these reports to me, and Stan and I would go investigate together. Um, there was a young man, probably about 17 years old, who was driving home from uh, an event. Um, he was driving home on a back country road very late at night, I guess about 9 or 10 at night. It was raining, and he had his high beams on, and he come up the hill and made the curve to the right, and as he made the curve to the right, he witnessed a very large creature standing um, on the berm of the road on the left, and he slowed down because it's a very bad curve to begin with. So he was slowing down rounding the curve, and that's when the creature stepped out across the road in two to three strides, made it across the road, and it turned and looked at him as he, he was coming on it. He was said he was within feet of hitting this thing, and he came to a stop, and the creature continued across the roadway um, up into a gravel road. That, that, there's a cemetery on the right-hand side. That the creature walked up the gravel road into the cemetery. Now, here's the, the very bizarre part of all this. Um, he had a cell phone. The young man had a cell phone on his front seat, and his reaction was, i got to get a picture of this thing. Nobody's going to believe me. So he followed the little gravel road there where the creature walked up, and within a matter wow. of seconds as he turned the car, put the high beams on, and into the cemetery, the creature had vanished. Completely gone, no sight of it to the left, to the right, straight ahead. It was just gone. And he sat there just kind of stunned. And he went home, told his dad what he had seen, and his dad's a Bigfoot enthusiast, so his dad, of course, reached out to Stan. Stan called me that night and said, you're not going to believe this, this just happened. I said, let's get out there tomorrow morning. It's, it rains, so we might be able to find some fresh tracks. And Stan and I went out. Um, we, I covered the entire cemetery. I covered the opposite side of the road. Um, I, we did find a large game trail that came out of some swampy area on the left side where he saw the creature standing at the berm. Um, that could have been done by deer or anything, but it was a very large game trail. Um, we measured. There's a wire deer fence um, on the side of the road, we measured from where the, the game trail came to the, the abutment of the road. It was at least six and a half feet from where the road meets the, the drop there and the fences to the top of the fence. And it made no sense how the creature could have stepped over the fence. It was just, I, I could not fathom myself that a creature could make a six foot stretch up over a fence, but nonetheless, it was there. I searched the entire cemetery with the father we found no prints, no tracks, nothing. Um, we w walked around the hillside. I talked to a couple of the neighbors, asked them if they had heard anything, and one woman said about 9 o'clock that night her dogs in the house went absolutely ballistic and were running from window to window, door to door, barking and crying, trying to get outside, but she wouldn't let them out. And that was the only corroboration that we could find that he saw something. But what was interesting to me, talking to the witness, um, he literally, in the middle of recounting his story, broke down and began to cry. It had that much of an impact on him. So I, I found him to be very credible, um, and he, 
he gave us some pretty good details. And Dave, do you want to pick up? Because I know you went out and, and did some research out there yourself. Hey, Eric, I, uh, can, I, can, I jump, okay. can I jump in and ask a quick question? Sure. And uh, this this is something that, that I learned from uh, Dr. Meldrum. But when you saw that, that bedding, that bedded area, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> did you find any evidence of deer droppings by it at all? No. And None. that's what Dr. That's what Dr. Meldrum would, would, would tell us, that a lot of times when animals, after bedding, they get up, the first thing they do is they defecate. Yeah, and, we, we uh, look for hair. We look uh, for droppings. We uh, look for deer tracks. We find nothing in it. And that's that's a big telltale sign that it wasn't a deer because there's no deer droppings. So. Yep. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry to I'm sorry. Yep. That's okay. Uh, painting a broad picture and uh, with a common denominator – that uh, that particular area that Ari is talking about is near Mingo Creek State Park, uh, Joe Montana Stadium by Ringold High School. I uh, have a, a policeman who's a friend up there, and he's uh, hunted and hiked in those woods, and the area is just polluted with uh, subterranean uh, locations as far as mines are concerned. So you've got maybe a subterranean uh, habitat available for these creatures to come in and out of. Uh, as far as a portal is concerned and disappearing, and Eric will attest to this, you're talking Delmont, you're talking Unity Township, you're talking the Bentleyville area, you're talking, uh, and I'm talking just within the past year, along with uh, this area in the Monongahela Fallowfield Township vicinity, along with uh, just south of the Elizabeth Bridge, uh, north of the Elizabeth Bridge on Route 51, uh, across the road from Tackle Unlimited with Rob Gratson and his son. Uh, you're talking infrasound and also the disappearance of a uh, creature while they were deer hunting the last Saturday of deer hunting season this past year in November. So it kind of falls into, falls into the category that Stan Gordon and I were talking about at the Kecksburg um, celebration and festival back in July this year. Stan kind of like uh, uh, he owed up, to, owed up to the fact that he's now uh, not a firm believer, but leaning a hell of a lot more toward the psychic or the uh, uh, dimensional uh, possibility of these creatures being a little bit more than flesh and blood. Hmm. Yeah, there, there's been, I'm, some, I'm, I'm, I'm talking yeah, there's about, been some really interesting reports this past year that involve and I'll cover a couple more of them here in just a few minutes, but David's right. There's been some really intriguing reports where people, multiple witnesses, have seen a creature just vanish right in front of them. Like the predator. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the predator, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm mm. not a firm believer in Bigfoot being paranormal or interdimensional. I'm still not sure what Bigfoot is, if you know if it is or not. I, I don't know, but we're getting more and more of these reports from people who don't know each other or are not familiar with you know the aspect of the report reporting similar things happening. It's right. very unusual. Right. Well, but then you have to Kecksburg look at, is where the uh, uh, sorry, Steve. I just want to say Kecksburg. That's where the the UFO thing was supposed to exactly. crash, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That's it. Huh. Yep. Well, and you know who who knows? As far as it disappearing, who knows what could be causing it? 
Um, I know there's a lot of worldly explanations for it. Infrasound, uh, effects of infrasound, um, you know, people having a, a, a psychological lapse because of trauma. Um, right. That that all, all can very well happen because people do when right. they're extreme pressure do lose time. They blank out. They you know they uh, you know how many times have you had people that during a traumatic experience or something and they they say they're, they they just lose their vision for a minute or two, you know like they're exactly. just you know filled with so you know we we really don't know what what necessarily is going on there. Um, but you know I've always said this in the past past and it's kind of funny. If Bigfoot was such an intelligent creature that could use portals and all that stuff, wouldn't it be wearing pants in the woods? <laughs> Who knows? I, I, mean, I, I a, don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could bite the uh, you know the family jewels, and I, yeah. I, I think I think they would be wearing pants. I just. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one one of one of the reasons that I. I don't think that uh, the the Bigfoot is like extraterrestrial is because if they were and their technology was so much more advanced than we are, they would have probably bombed us out of existence a long time ago. (laughs) And they'd be wearing pants. (laughs) Yeah, and and pants. I don't (laughs) know about uh, higher technological uh, um, intelligence, but they could just be able to what we think is attuned to the supernatural be exceptionally uh, acknowledge, or uh, I should say, uh, intelligent with regard to natural surroundings, and we have evolved right. into us becoming kind of cold with regard to that. Right, right. you're you're exactly right, Dave. And you know, uh, we we could use the Terminator thing too. I mean, maybe <laughs> you know how the Terminator they have to come into the the world naked. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, because yeah. I'm thinking, what uh, intelligent comes in naked? Oh my God, Terminator. Well, uh, well what's interesting, what, what I find interesting is it's not just one report here or there, but there are more and more of these yeah. reports coming forward. And it's not just in Pennsylvania, it's all around the country that people are talking about yeah. this and they're sharing yeah. this. So, I, I, you're right, Steve. It might be a situation where it's a state of shock of the witness. Oh. And and they're just so stunned they can't believe what they see that to them the Bigfoot running off was the Bigfoot disappearing. We we simply right. just don't know. We don't have the answers. And I'm not making any claims or any suggestions that no Bigfoot no no paranormal, not at all. but not at all. we're reporting what we're getting from witnesses, what they're telling us. Exactly. And it all seems right. to be coming to this weird pattern of the creature disappearing. Oh, let me throw these two recent cases out for example. Um, and, and, again, this is in Delmont, Pennsylvania. This happened in the fall. Um, a gentleman had gotten onto Toll Route 66 heading north, and, again, we're heading up the 66 towards 366. And as he's driving up Toll Route 66, he's on the toll road for more than just a few minutes. A vehicle flies by him in the, pass, in the fast lane on the left, and then all of a sudden he sees in the distance something standing in the middle of the road. He thought it was a person walking down the middle of this major highway toll road. So the guy that passed him slows down and comes to a stop, and then this gentleman driving the car comes up right next to him and comes to a stop, and standing in the middle of the road is an eight-foot-tall, hair-covered creature just standing there. It didn't flinch. It didn't move. It was just standing there looking at these two guys 
in two different vehicles stopped on toll route 66. And then as plain as it's standing there, the thing just vanished into thin air. It didn't run off the road. It didn't step off the road. It didn't cross a Jersey barrier. It was there and it was gone. And the one witness rolled down his car window and yelled over to the other guy, did you just see that? And the other guy said, I wasn't going to say anything, but yes, I saw it too. Mm-hmm. Now, my question That's is, the thing. Is, is, is it truly a Sasquatch sighting or is it a paranormal event? that maybe masquerading as a Sasquatch sighting or is what some of these perceiving as a Sasquatch? Don't know. Well, yeah, Hard we don't. Say. We don't. Nope. And yep. the most and... recent one we had um, came from, again, Stan Gordon. He, he and I work together pretty closely, as does Dave. Dave works with us too. Um, and I filled Dave in on this one. This took place last week. Um, this was out in Unity Township in Westmoreland County. Husband and wife were driving to work very early in the morning. It was dark um, as they were driving down a backcountry road, um, Route 130, and they were heading towards um, Unity Township, Latrobe area. And as they're driving along, they have a newer vehicle, so they have the, high, the, the really powerful LED lights in the vehicle now. So the husband's paying attention to the road in front of him, and his wife is watching in the distance for deer to cross because they usually see deer cross the road on their way to work. And as they're driving, she claims that this thing materialized out of nowhere in the middle of the road, almost as she described it, predator-like. It became solid. It continued one step across the road into the tree line and disappeared from sight. She said she got a good enough look at it. She didn't see its face, but she could tell the skin on the side of the face that she could see was much lighter in color than the rest of the fur. And the, uh, the hands... As they hung down below its knees, were curved backwards. They weren't pumping as it walked, but just kind of swinging slowly back and forth. And she just said to her husband, did you see that? And, of course, he was paying more attention to the front of the car and closer to the roadway than looking in the distance, and he didn't get a good look at it. But they refused to give Stan their name and um, personal information. They were afraid of being ridiculed because they both hold pretty prominent positions in the area. And they didn't want people to you know, think that they were nuts. So, again, here's another situation oh. where multiple witnesses have seen something either materialize or dematerialize. And right. you know, it wasn't there. And then, then it's there and it's gone. Well, you know, there are well, certainly so many different areas that have, like, this weird type of activity. I mean, you have the, uh, the Bennington Triangle. You have... Uh, uh, the uh, there's a spot in Massachusetts as well. Uh, mm-hmm. They call that a triangle. Uh, you have the whole Chestnut Ridge area that's yep. had a lot of really weird activity. I mean, you have the Skinwalker Ranch where stuff like that was seen. So mm-hmm. I mean, right. are these just examples of portals or you know or areas that are attracting all kinds of of activity? Um, because you know, let's face it. That old Chestnut Ridge, Kecksburg, they've had their share of UFO activity, uh, other things, dogmen, and and really weird sorts of stuff. And so have all these other areas. And I'm wondering, has there been any, like, disappearances necessarily in that area as well? Because the Bennington Triangle definitely has had it. The Bridgewater Triangle, which is the one in Massachusetts and Connecticut, um, you know, they all seem to – 
like cattle mutilations on the Skinwalker Ranch and disappearance of animals there. I mean, have there been any animal disappearances, mutilations, anything like that that have been going on in the area as well? Not that we've had reports of. No. No. I'm going to throw into the mix uh, the Allegheny National Forest and Chief Cornhusker and what went on up there before the big dam was built uh, in Kinzua and and the the curse that he put on that area as far as the natives there, they're, they're, they will swear to the uh, portals that exist in that particular area of Pennsylvania. And it was pretty close to the Kinzu Dam where the Jacobs photo had come out, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, because I actually, I, I think it was uh, three or four years ago, I was actually at that, I was at the Kinzu Dam. And uh, well, quite a, quite a, an awesome area. I mean, things can hide in there. You, it's just um, I, I actually had a film festival in Warren, PA, that I had to attend. Um, that was the first time I saw myself on big screen, which, and the only time, it was kind of a big kick, um, sitting in a movie theater, and boom, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. <laughs> but well, uh, um, there's, there's something I would like to point out, though, because uh, when when Dave was talking about that woman seeing the one that it, it looked like it appeared in the roads. Um, you know, I'm just wondering, is it possible that it could have been crossing the road and, you know, it it crossed so quickly that she just caught it while, it, you know, when it stepped into the center and then it stepped out? Because back in 2010, I found a trackway, or one trackway, that uh, the creature had uh, it crossed a gravel lane. Now, the gravel lane wasn't around eight or nine feet wide. But there was a track on one side in the uh, the the side of the gravel lane, uh, you know, out of the roadbed. Then there was one track in the center of the roadbed, and then the other track was on the other side of the roadbed. So it only had put one track, one foot in the roadbed, and the other right. two were off the roadbed. So I'm just wondering if she couldn't have seen something that was crossing quickly. Uh, and maybe thought it had disappeared or something. Well, unfortunately, we can't answer that because she obviously didn't want her her name given out publicly, and she refused right, to right. talk anything further about it. So we don't know. We can only go by what she reported to Stan, um, and, right. and you know, that, that's all we can do. And and again, we can speculate, you know, it, what Bigfoot is, yeah. what it isn't. We we simply yeah. don't have a specimen to to really study and. and Right, right. And maybe these things, as Steve mentioned, maybe these things are causing such emotional trauma to the people who see them that, that maybe something shock or disbelief and eyes can play tricks on people. That's that's quite right. well known. But it just seems odd that all of a sudden around the same particular area that we're getting more and more of these reports with similar attributes to them. Right. I I hate to throw in another theory into this mix, but uh, a couple of years back is when I uh, discovered the writings of uh, a lady going for her doctorate in Texas, and she came up with a hydrogen sulfide theory with regard to the defense mechanism that these creatures may emit upon being seen, and it's so overwhelming as far as the stink and odor that they are going to uh, emit on the witnesses that see them that you lose track of time and you think they disappear. They appear to disappear, but they really don't. You're so overwhelmed with the physicality of the uh, 
defense mechanism that you just lose track of where in the hell they are or where they went. And the same could be, yeah, yeah and, and very feasible, and the same could be said with infrasound as well. These creatures can yeah, use infrasound exactly. that cause vibrations in the eyeballs and the ears and, yeah. and, and you know, sub, sends subliminal messages almost. That's how the brain is perceiving it. So absolutely, I mean, a lot of these are some really good, uh, good ground-based, scientific-based theories. Yeah, and all we can do at this point is to um, collect the data that the eyewitnesses are reporting to us right. And, right. and put them together and see if there's any common denominators. And what we're seeing right now in the last three, four, five reports that we've gotten in 2018 is that people are claiming that this thing is either disappearing in front of them without any explanation or reappearing appearing in front of them like, like a predator type of being. And, and we don't have an answer as to if that's legitimately happening or if it's something the senses are causing something to be askew. We don't know because all we can go by is what the eyewitnesses are telling us. We weren't there to see it. And right. I, I can tell you that other researchers around the country are starting to adhere to the possibility that there might be quantum physics involved in uh, some of these Bigfoot sightings. So maybe that's an aspect that we might want to take a little closer look at as well. Yeah. Um, why not? I mean, as long as to me, as long as it's something we can get science to work on, it's all good to me. I I'm not really big into the Zorth thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm well, not either. But uh, um, well, wow. I'll, I'll uh, be the first one to admit I don't know. And uh, that with those words is the beginning of wisdom because if you don't know, you can only go up, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I I want to start kind of shift gears a little bit because we got like 25 minutes left to show, and um, I want to shift gears a little bit um, because there is a really great event coming up uh, May 31st, June 1st, June 2nd at uh, Benner's Meadow in uh, Pennsylvania. And um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. I, I will predicate it that, uh, coincidentally, uh, uh, Dave had mentioned uh, Rob Gratson earlier, and Rob was really essential in uh, leading up and giving me the idea, or some of the ideas, of of the creature. And what I'll be doing is when I go to the great 2019 Pennsylvania Bigfoot camping adventure, uh, my presentation will be on my investigation into the book of the creature by Jan Clement. And that was a book written, I believe, in 1974. And um, it was published uh, by Allegheny Press. And it was under a pseudonym, and it was given to them by the editor of the, the, the manuscript. And uh, it, it has very detailed and a very uh, almost scientific observation way because allegedly Jan Clement was a uh, a scientist and an educator. And um, yeah. I don't want to give too much away after that point. And right. uh, if you want to hear the rest of the story, uh, the first time I'll be unveiling this is at um, the Pennsylvania Bigfoot camping adventure, and the funny thing is, for many years, but one of the number one suspects of being Jan Clement is actually attending. 
<laughs> so I, I, I hope he's not sitting in his chair squirming, wondering what my summation is going to be. So, <laughs> and the ev- and the evidence to go with it. Uh, so and that whole story, that whole story is based in that particular uh, south to northern part of the ridge from um, Wimps Gap all the way into uh, the Dunbar Mountains. So you're you're going to be right in the heart of it at Benner's Campground. Uh, and it's so exciting to do it right there where it happened. And that's why yeah. I'm debuting this presentation there. Um, I was going to do a film on it, but um, it, it turned out it, it wasn't all that in-depth that I needed to. But people are going to be very – I think they're going to be very surprised. So, I'm looking um, forward to But, uh, Eric, please tell us about the 2019 Bigfoot Camping Adventure. Well, before I tell you about the event, if I can do a little preface towards it. Um, sure. Dave and I have been working together for how long, Dave? Almost close to 20 years? Well, yeah. Um, after I left the Clareton School Board so they wouldn't make fun of me, I joined the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society in the year 2000. So it's been yes. 19 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Dave and I have been working together and associated on many proje- projects. And for many years, um, Dave and I worked together closely to organize the East Coast Bigfoot Conference. We did, I think, nine or ten of them um, yeah. from 2000 through 2011. In 2016, well, the events were great. They were very well attended. Um, people really learned a lot. We had a, a lot of positive feedback. Um, I took some much-needed time off from organizing events because they are a lot of work. And Dave, Dave can tell you that he's done festivals, Italian festivals, and, and there's a lot of work and planning involved, and it takes up a lot of your time and money. So I put the, the event on the burner for a while. And um, in 2016, um, I was seeing all these Bigfoot conferences pop up all across the country, and they were all indoors. Uh, people were having events indoors, you know, just a, a, a hall, a banquet hall, a, a conference center. They'd have four or five speakers. they have vendors. And that was the extent of it. And a lot of the complaints I was hearing from people were, it's great to come to these events and meet these people, but, man, I'd like to get out in the woods myself and see what Bigfooting is about. So in 2016, I thought, why don't we try putting together a small event where we give people the opportunity to come out with researchers, walk in the woods with us at night, um, hear from the researchers you know, in an in event type of fashion, but keep it outdoor in an outdoor venue, allow people to go out there with us and see what researching is about, camp in an area which is well-known for Bigfoot research, and the best part of all, we'd be raising some money for some local charities in that area. So that's where we came up with the concept of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Camping Adventure. And the first two that we held in 2016 and 2017 were, were surprisingly um, pretty successful. I mean, we've had crowds of upwards of over 300 people at each event. And I, I decided in 2017 I was going to take a year off because, like I said, there's a lot of work and a lot of money goes into them. And uh, although they were enjoyable, it, it, I just needed to take a break. So in April this year I talked to the wife and the wife gave me the green light to go ahead and start working on this event. So I've been working on this event since uh, for almost a year now, planning and organizing. And, and I approached Dave. Um, I approached Dave and Cindy, um, Sean and Tiffany Dennis, Ricky Cherby, um, Jay Bachochin, and uh, Ron Murphy, and asked them if they wouldn't come on board and help out as a, an organizational committee. We could all work on the event together to put the event together. 
and everybody agreed. And, and of course, we have our organizational meetings from time to time. We talk constantly over Facebook and social media. And we came up with the idea of the 2019 Pennsylvania Bigfoot Camping Adventure for this year, which, as you mentioned, May 31st through the June 2nd at Benner's Meadow Run Cab- Camping and Cabins in Farmington, Pennsylvania, which incidentally is right on the Chestnut Ridge, the, the southern part of the Chestnut Ridge in Pennsylvania, right in the area where Jan Clement wrote about the creature and uh, where we had the flap of sightings in 2019 and, and still have sightings, and, and Dave's sighting was in 2017. Um, so as I began to put things together, I thought, well, we need to have the original crew who was part of the first two um, events to come back and, and speak again. So we're, we're grateful and, and very proud and honored to have coming back um, Jay uh, Bachochin. He's bringing his son with him. And this will be the first time, as far as I'm aware, that a father and son will be doing a joint presentation. Um, of course, we have uh, my mentor and longtime associate friend and researcher Stan Gordon coming back. Uh, Paul Johnson, who was mistaken by Lorne Coleman as Jan Clement <laughs> from the book <laughs> The Creature, um, although Paul said that wasn't him. He believed it was somebody else that um, actually attended some of his UFO Bigfoot meetings. Um, we've got longtime researcher and paranormal investigator and a good friend Rick Fisher coming from over in the Lancaster area. Um, three members of the Society of the Supernatural and also very dear friends of mine. Dave Spinks is coming back. David Weatherly is coming back. And Rosemary Ellen Guiley will, will be returning. Uh, we've got uh, award-winning filmmaker, and, and he does a great job. And actually you'll see me in the, uh, his new documentary series coming up called On the Trail of Bigfoot. Seth Breedlove of Small Town Monsters will be speaking. Um, our good friend and research associate Ron Murphy will be there. And incidentally, Ron was the very first case I ever investigated when I decided to start getting into field research way back in 1997. Um, he had a, an encounter. He and his brother encountered something outside their home in, in Indiana County. Um, also returning, uh, a good friend of mine from Ohio, our good friend Dr. Brian Parsons will be coming back. We've got some some creep, some weirdo, some nutball from New York. <laughs> That guy again. That guy again, my, my, my dear, dear friend, my brother from another mother, the Squatch <laughs> Detective Steve Calls will be back, and we're glad that you're going to be there. And last but certainly not least, uh, a very dear friend of mine who's been researching with me from pretty much the start. Uh, we've co-organized a lot of things together. We still do research together. Uh, he's another brother from another mother, if you will. My good friend who's on the phone with us tonight, Dave Dragason, will be not only speaking but he'll be serving as co-master of ceremonies and providing the uh, audiovisual for the event this year, along with his wife Cindy. So that's a I heard he's gonna, I heard he's going to sing the national anthem when the, when the ceremony's open. <laughs> yeah, in, in Italian. <laughs> You're in for a real treat. But, um, we've got twelve and a half guest speakers for the event lined up over the two days. But there's, there's more to it. It's not just the guest speakers. We've got special guests and guest celebrities coming in. Uh, and before I get to the, the guest celebrities, let me get to the special guests real quick. I'll run down these very quickly because there's, they're in the paranormal and in the Bigfoot realm. Uh, we've got workshop presenters uh, Mike Feltner and Mike, Miltner, Mike Miller from the Ohio Night Stalkers will be joining us doing a presentation on Bigfoot audio sounds. And Brian Bowden 
from up in the New York area. He'll be attending, uh, doing a presentation, a joint workshop with uh, Ron Murphy. Uh, we've got Goosebumps Paranormal, uh, Dave and I, my dear friends and Dave's cousin, uh, Jimmy and Diane Trick will be there at the event, DD Trick. Uh, from Phantoms and Monsters 14 Research, we've got Butch Wachowski, Lon Strickler, and the Fork Chop. Sean Forker will be there. Uh, the Mountain Gypsies, Cat and Cat Young and Tess Hughes will be returning. Chris and Dana Winger from uh, NEPI, that's the Northeast Paranormal Investigations. Uh, the Paranormal mm-hmm. Miners, Eric and Kayla Miner, along with Amber Dominic. Uh, Paranormal Investigators, Rochelle Razo and Jim Backus will be attending. Uh, Sean and Marianne Donnelly. Bilko Films, Bill and Amy Lancaster, who just released Cultured Bigfoot and their new film, Paranormal Bigfoot, will be there. We've got Snuffy Stefano. I believe I'm pronouncing that correct, Stefano. Yeah, uh, he is a, Stefano. He's a Bigfoot chainsaw artist, and he does some really cool carvings. He'll be set up there at the event doing some chainsaw demonstrations. Uh, we've got Scary Harry Metz from Fright Night Theater going to be there. Uh, we've got live music from Walt the Music Man Shrum. He's going to be back singing about Bigfoot again. Um, and we've got Aaron and Mary Dunbar from the film A Wish for Giants, who will be uh, playing that film, debuting that film at the event. I shouldn't say debuting, but wrapping up a long tour of of the film at the event. And then um, that's our special guest. They'll have vendors' booths set up and and whatnot for the event to meet and greet fans. Now, under the guest celebrities for the event, this is pretty exciting because we've got uh, quite a slew of, of special guests coming in. Um, from the TV show Finding Bigfoot, our good friend, uh, mutual friend, Cliff Berrickman will be there, and he'll be meeting, oh, and, yeah, greeting, yeah, he'll be meeting and greeting fans and, yep. and talking to people and sharing his encounters and, and stories from Finding Bigfoot. Coming all the way from Idaho State University, our very good friend, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, will be on hand, and uh, he'll be meeting and greeting fans, talking about uh, primatology anatomy of uh, the feet and how they work and, and how Bigfoot feet may work and all that good stuff. Uh, coming up from um, Texas, um, he was seen on the TV show Missing in Alaska. Our good friend and, and longtime cryptozoologist Ken Gerhard will be there. Oh, um, wow. Coming from the TV show Monsters Underground and Rogue Paranormal, uh, Bill Brock will be on hand um, meeting and greeting fans. And uh, from the TV show $10 Million Bigfoot Bounty, that, that hit TV show from many years ago, coming <laughs> all the way from Florida, Stacy Brown Jr. will be on hand. And last but not least, last year's favorite guest celebrities will be coming back, the Ames team from the TV show Mountain Monsters. We've got uh, Jeff, Wild Bill, Huckleberry, Willie, and Buck coming to the event again this year. So a little bit of something for everybody at the event. Lectures, workshops, um, night hikes, uh, charity auction, live music vendors, food vendors. Uh, we've pretty much got it all. And, and, and every angle of Bigfoot you could think of. Man, I have got to get out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Eric, uh, as far as I know, I believe we're going to have um, – Brian McCauley coming in as a yeah. actual visitor to the event from the Demon Files. Yep, he, so, he's coming in vote, from the, uh, the TV show Demon yep. Files. Yep. So, and yeah, I don't know if he's bringing. I, I don't know if he's bringing Mike Dolan with him. I think he might be though. 
He might be. So. He said something about that. An interesting um, side note, um, somebody that just purchased a vendor's booth that you know pretty well, uh, Brian Goslin, who was a witness oh, yes, of the Hebert Road right. sightings, he, uh, yes, he purchased the vendor's tent, and he'll be attending the event as well. Awesome. And, you know, uh, you know I love Brian, and uh, Brian and I actually kind of uh, – Worked together at the Whitehall Sasquatch Festival at the Sasquatch Calling Festival, and cool. uh, it was really it was really cool being hanging out with him again for a, it's been a while, and he is gonna we're gonna get him back on the radio show too, and in fact in the opening monologue you hear every week, uh, Brian is uh, on that monologue talking about his experience, so yeah I'm excited to to meet him I'm, I'm excited to meet a lot of these folks that I've never met before and only. Yep. communicated through social media or email. So it's going to be a great event. Um, and, again, all the proceeds after we clear expenses are being donated to three local charities in the Fayette County area. So um, come out and support the event. We've got some phenomenal, phenomenal guest speakers, celebrities, guest celebrities. Uh, there's something there for everybody. It's family-friendly. Um, the, the ticket prices are on the website, PA Bigfoot Camping Adventure. Last I checked, there was a out of 500 tickets. That's all we're selling is 500 tickets. We have 170 tickets left. 70 of those tickets are discounted wow. price. 100 are going to be regular priced. If it sells out before the event, we will not sell tickets at the door. So get your tickets now because they are flying out the door. That, Dave, you want to add that, anything? That, that's amazing. Are you gonna need, like we're going to need a really wide-angle lens to get a group photo, guys. <laughs> yeah, sounds like everybody's going to be there. Uh, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind showing up if I can get the guys to finish my engine in my vehicle. I might. I might show up. Oh, there you go. I'd love to meet oh, Chris. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd love. I'd love to be there. Yep. It is a. It is a. And I, for one, as, as a participant, um, and, and you know, I'm out there. A, with the exception of that last year, I got I, I had gotten the chills so bad that, that last year that I couldn't go out one night. But I will say the night hikes are phenomenal, and this year they're you know Eric is having it a little bit later in the year, so it should be a tad bit warmer. Mm-hmm. And um, I you know it, the the night hikes the the areas to go squatching in are phenomenal. There are areas where there's been sightings before, and, and you know and that's where I got the thermal of the bear. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot, a lot is, of fun. Uh, that's the area that Rob Gratson sees the old man in the swamp, as he refers to the creature. Yep. Um, yep. Just, right. The backwaters uh, of the uh, of um, Cucumber Falls, which uh, empties into the into the Ohio pile uh, whitewater area. Yep. And I and I and I know a lot of our celebrity guests that are coming, like Cliff and Ken. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure Bill Brock as well. They are going to just to love to get into the woods there, and that's going yeah, to make things more exciting for people. Yeah, and if I can say one last thing about the event, and I'll turn it over to Dave. I'll give the website address too here in a second. But um, I've been working very very hard on this event for the last year, but I can't take all the credit for the event. Um, I have to say a very special thank you to not only Dave and, and Sean and Tiffany and Ricky and Ron and Jay Bachochin. Jay's been doing the, the digital artwork and, and all the uh, the advertising, the media, the marketing for the event, helping out with that. Right. But 
Um, Harry, yeah, Harry's done some great video work for us too as well. Um, there's been so many different hands involved in this project. It's not just a one person's labor of love. There's many people involved here. Um, like I mentioned, the organizational crew, the people who are participating, um, the, the, the speakers who are coming back or who are coming for the first time, the guest celebrities, a lot of these people normally charge fees to come to an event or you know, they, they want certain requirements made, you know, special accommodations, uh, lodging, whatever. A lot of people realizing this is a charity event, and they're doing this you know, out of the, the kindness of their heart, and they're participating. That's why I really believe that we've got such a great lineup of speakers, guests, celebrities. Everybody realizes this is a very special cause, and it's a very special event, and they want to be part of it. And I'm just – I can't tell you how touched I am that so many people have, have shown so much love and, and appreciation for the event that they want to get involved. So my, thank, my big thank you to everybody who's in, involved in participating, organizing, whatever big or little involvement you've had, it makes this event very special. I want to add that um, a few people had had some concerns with regard to campsites being filled. I don't know whether that's uh, – uh, the, is, is, is that for sure, Eric? Or well, do they still the, have some campsites available? The cabins are all gone. There are no more cabins right. left. Um, the, they, they have group campsites available, and you can contact Benner's Meadow Run Campground to reserve a site. There's special rates for the group camps. But if you want to camp individually at an individual site, you can do that as well. But Okay. Um, yeah, I believe there's still a lot left, and you'd have to contact Benner's Meadow Run Camping and Cabins in Farmington to find out. And you can get their information, you can get ticket information, you can get event information. All that good stuff is on the website, all lowercase, P-A, BigfootCampingAdventure.com. Check out the website, get your tickets, come out and join us. It, it, Steve, you've been there. Dave, you've been there. I've been there. I can. We can all attest. It's been a hell of a time. The last two events that we've held there. Oh yeah, and 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 those of you who may not be a real outdoorsy person and would like to have rooms as opposed to sleeping outside, Uniontown is not that far away. When I worked at uh, the radio station in Uniontown, I used to travel beyond Benners to practice for a couple of. Um, uh, musicals at the uh, Fayette County Amphitheater, and it only took me 15 minutes from Uniontown to get up over the mountain and into the yeah. Benner's Campground um, Fort Necessity area of uh, that Farmington vicinity. So there's a lot of uh, great motels and hotels down in Uniontown uh, as far as accommodations are concerned. So don't feel that you know you you're not going to be able to get what you need. And you have to travel very far. It's not far at all, believe me. And I, I myself like a, will be the deal. I myself will me? be in the lean to. I myself <laughs> will be in the lean to next to the dress rooms. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's, a, that's another nice function that Benners has done for us. They've offered more Porta Johns this year, so you won't have to wait in line. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> you know the funniest, one of the funniest pictures in when Jay Bachochin did the, that little montage, he made sure he stuck that picture of me doing the paddy walk out of the outhouse. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and, and folks, just so you know, there are so many antics that go on during that event. It is a educational, 
fun, exciting event. Nighttime is the excitement. Uh, you get your education with all the great lectures and workshops going on, and you have vendors there, and, and, and they have some great stuff there. I mean, and, you you know, you add, like, Cliff and, and Dr. Meldrum. I know what they have. I've been with shows with them before, and they have some great stuff at their tables. Um, and and then the shenanigans between me and Bachochin and Parsons, and, and uh, sometimes we'll get Sean Dennison on it. And, you know, it's just a constant uh, – it's just a constant – yeah, it's a, it's an awesome time, and then Eric, well, sometimes uh, all of a sudden this hairy guy shows up. Usually when <laughs> Walt, Walt the musician, and by the end of the event, everybody is like, "Yeah, we all know the words to Walt songs." <laughs> yeah. we, have, uh, first, we have first aid and security too, so it's definitely yeah. going to be a secure, uh, entertaining, and educational family event. Yeah, and, and there's no drama. There's no. No. Egos. There's no fighting. There's no personalities, personal conflicts. Everybody has such a great time, and even if people don't get along, they they get along, and that's what makes us. I think makes yeah. this event so special is because everybody's there just to have fun, to learn, to help raise money for the charities, and, and just to experience, to have a great adventure in Pennsylvania, sure. a Bigfoot yeah. camping yeah. adventure. Yeah, uh, awesome. I think uh, the, the the fellowship alone would be worth the trip. You know, it's yeah. not like that, oh, yeah. uh, everybody is going there and you're going to prove Bigfoot exists that weekend. I mean, that would be great if it happened, but, but right. uh, not 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 required. You know, that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and it's just it's a blast. It really is. Even when we had pouring down rain and freezing temperatures last uh, 2017 event, we still had 300 people show up. And we still had a great time. We laughed. We played in the mud, splashed in the puddles, and had a had a blast. And this year, with it being moved to late May, early June, hopefully the weather will be much warmer and more cooperative. And uh, yeah. we're we're expecting, like I said, we have 500 tickets to sell. We've got 170 left, three little over three and a half months before the event. And uh, those tickets are going to go fast. So if you haven't gotten them. You want to get them as quickly as you can because, like I said, we will not sell any tickets at the door if they sell out online. So don't show up at the event hoping to get in if there's no tickets available. Well, thank uh, you, Steve and Chris, for having us on in order to uh, relay some information along with, uh, uh, you know, promoting the event. Oh, well, our, this, pleasure, I, I, I'm our pleasure, guys, and it's our pleasure to have you guys on. And I'll tell you, this is the premier event. And with that being said, we're just about out of time. And actually, we're no longer streaming. <laughs> so oh, we're uh, over. <laughs> our, our live stream, our li- <laughs> we are over. Uh, but okay. our, our live stream is done just in time. Uh, but uh, we do have the podcast uh, to, to wind up. So, guys, on behalf of us, I want to thank both of you for coming on tonight. As always, you guys are my blood brothers. Love you guys, and thank you so much for coming on tonight, and uh, great time. Had some good laughs. Well, thank God you, bless Steve. And thank you again. And uh, sorry I took most of the, talk, the time talking, Dave. <laughs> it was a big mouth oh, tonight. Oh, that's quite all right. <laughs> quite all right. <laughs> Make my job easier anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us okay. on, guys. It's, it's appreciated, Steve. I look forward to seeing you in May. And, David, I'll be yep. talking to you very soon, my friend. Okay. All right, guys. Take okay. care. God bless. All right. Thanks, Eric. And, Thanks, Dave. Uh, Thanks, Dan. And on behalf of all of us here, and, and Chris, any final words before we kick off? 
Oh, no, I, I, I just got I just wanted to thank uh, Eric, uh, Eric and Dave for coming on. I always enjoy having them and uh, look yeah, forward to that event. Yeah, I, I hope to see uh, Hopefully you can make it, Chris. I'd really like to see I would you love there. to. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. A, I'm wonderful it. time. And I'll tell you what, now that they're off the show, I bet you even if they sold all the tickets out, I'm sure we could sneak you in. <laughs> well, if the guys can get my uh, my truck out of the shop in time, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try my best to make it that way. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes, you know. Right. Okay. Well, on behalf of everybody here at Squatch Detective Radio, we want to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and safe week. God bless. And remember, keep on squatching, folks. Keep on squatching. Thank you for listening to Squatch Detective Radio. Join us each week on Blog Talk Radio, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern, as your hosts, veteran Bigfoot researchers, Steve Culls and Chris Bennett, bring you guests from around North America, exploring the mystery of the beast known as Bigfoot. Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.